Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Svedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Hi, everybody. This is Marnie Swedberg. Welcome to Marnie's Friends and our program today, Women's Ministry Leadership Training. The topic is how to build or restore women's ministry using Nehemiah's blueprint. And our guest today is Verna Bauman of vernabauman.com. During the next hour, you are going to discover the six T's of women's ministry leadership. You're going to discover how prayer, pastor, prepare, purpose, present, and promote all play a huge part in having a successful women's ministry. And our guest today, Verna Bauman, is a wonderful one to talk to us about this because she has had been in various leadership roles in women's ministry for nearly 20 years. Verna's experience in leading Bible studies, workshops, mentoring, and coordinating retreats provides opportunities to share God's word with women of all ages. Part of her ministry encouraging Women Through Writing and Speaking Messages of Hope, and she's the founder of Encouraging Women, One Story at a Time. Welcome to you, Verna. Well, we had Verna a little bit ago, and now we don't. Verna, can you... I do. You're, you're bringing up but I'm here. <laughs> Good deal. Well, I can hear you now, so that's awesome. Well, welcome to the program, and I'm excited to pick your brain this hour about women's ministry and especially how to build or restore a women's ministry. You know, there's there's gals who are just starting one from scratch, and then there's other gals who have inherited a pretty broken um, women's ministry, and this information is just as valuable for one as for the other, isn't it? Yes, it certainly is, yes. So let's go ahead and give a little bit of background about the first P, which is pray. Okay, well, um, I think like uh, any ministry has to be birthed in prayer, and we can begin um, with that critical piece of, um, of prayer. We may be called as a leader, but we can ask ourselves if we are a prayer. Um, and it's interesting, the importance of prayer is mentioned in Scripture more than, you know, love your neighbor or go to church or evangelize. Um, it says in, in Acts, Six four, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Um, so it's an important piece to our ministry. Hmm. So let's talk about some of the ways that you've seen um, prayer support raised up in a women's ministry. So I can, you know, I can think of one of the things that we've loved to do over the years is if we take gals on a retreat. We actually give a little votive candle to the people staying behind. We ask for one volunteer per retreat attendee, and we give them a little votive candle in the lady's name and just a prayer list and ask them to pray on and off while we're away at retreat so that each of the ladies is covered in prayer. What are some other ideas that you've seen? Oh, I love that idea. Um Yeah, uh, I mean, I think there's so many ways that we can incorporate prayer in our ministries and and have other ladies leading those ministries. Um, 
One of the things that that we do when you talk about retreats, Marnie, uh, one of the neat things, you know, we have over a hundred women at our retreats, and we wanted to pray for each one by name as leaders. There were five on our team, and so we would um, we would um, split our list and share those names. We would each take twenty, and then at each of our meetings, we would shift that and take the other 20, so that each one of the team leaders got to pray personally for every name that was going to attend that retreat, and that was a special part of that. That's cool. One of the things that I've done is when I speak at retreats, especially if it's for a particular church, it's different. Like like I've got one coming up that's for a, a conference, and that's different, but if you're doing a retreat for a particular church, you can ask, mm-hmm. I've asked the church to send me the photo directory, and then to star the ladies who have registered, and then they can keep sending me emails of the ladies who send in late registrations or whatever. And I'm able as a speaker to pray for them by name and also to become familiar with some of the faces even before I get there. Not that I can remember them all or anything like that, but God remembers. And so I just love that feeling of connection it gives me as a speaker to have that little head start on it, and I I love that. Another thing I've heard... um, we we do this here in different capacities, but we go ahead and have phone or Skype prayer meetings where you yes. don't even have to show up anywhere. You just do a conference call, and you can get a bunch of people on and pray together that way. Uh, I, I love those. And, of course, there's the obvious getting together and praying. <laughs> that's that's the, you know, the, the traditional, most obvious way. Anything else bubbling to your thoughts here as far as it, when prayer, talking about ways to pray together? Um, well, one of the things, too, that I've found that works um, with with a Bible study group, um, we have a, a precept Bible study on Thursday mornings, and there's about 45 to 48 women. And often, you know, that's, that's a lot of concerns, uh, mm-hmm. if, if everyone had a concern. And But we, we want to make sure that we give opportunities and time, so... Um, we invite the ladies, anyone that wants to participate, maybe a half hour sooner than our meeting time, and they they meet in another room and they're able to pray. Then when we get together for um, our actual Bible study time, um, we write the urgent needs on the whiteboard and we send home a sheet once a month with those ongoing concerns so we can still cover each other that way. So that's an important part of that ministry. That's cool. That brought to mind something that we did um, for years, and we don't have this particular group anymore, but one of the groups that I worked with, we would, as, at the beginning of the meeting, we would have a clipboard with a piece of lined um, notebook paper on it, and we would just put on the left column, we would put um, your name, and then on the right column, prayer request. And so anybody, as the meeting went along, the business part of the meeting, we would pass the paper, the note, clipboard around, and people would write down their name and whatever their prayer request was. Then, while we were doing the devotional, someone would go into the office and make photocopies so that everyone had their own piece of paper. And then we would break into small groups, pray for them all in our small groups, and then take the papers home. And it was a wonderful way. We saved probably 15, 20 minutes um, sharing prayer requests, but we got them all. And in the private room... In the private room, whoever was with there got to explain a little bit more about their own request to that small group. 
in which was a real nurturing environment. So there's all kinds of ways that we can, you know, incorporate prayer along the way. So let's just talk for a couple minutes about the value of adding prayer. So why bother, Verna? Why? Why? Huh. Well, well, for one, I uh, why bother? It's just one of those things where even as um, ministry leaders, I think it's important to pray for ourselves. You know, uh, we're, we often find it easier to pray for others, but when we mm. have to pray for ourselves, you, I mean, it's a huge responsibility to to be in ministry, and so I think that it's important that we pray for the purity and and uh, behind the, the the motivation as to what we're doing. So uh, we have to pray to seek that direction, or we're just going to flounder. Yeah, I was trying to um, I was trying to remember who said it, and I think it was C.S. Lewis. I was looking on Google Quick here, but I can't see it. Uh, somebody once said, Satan scoffed at any ministry not supported by prayer. And I just think mm. that's so true, that if it is not, uh, if there is not a foundation of prayer, if it's not covered in prayer, why are you doing it? Exactly. Uh, you know, you're just, you're just going, I mean, just do something else. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Because yeah. It, yeah, it just comes down to just flesh and effort. If you're just right. trying to go, if if the, if your foundation is you or your team, it's just going to collapse. It needs to be built upon a prayerful foundation. Yeah, absolutely. I have a book coming out called Flow Through Vessel, and in there mm. I use the analogy of being in an airplane and you're in a crisis, and you know the masks drop down. But you put the mask on and there's no oxygen. So you think, okay, I'm going to come up with some oxygen on my own. And so you you start <laughs> huffing and puffing and trying to come up with oxygen from nothing. And, you know, you, you just, it isn't going to go very far. You're just not going to be able to do it. And that's the well, same like without that. prayer. Like you know? air, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, without that's... prayer, without God's power in it, God's power isn't in it. And that's the bottom line. And so we just have to go to prayer. Well, let's talk a couple of minutes about the, couple, the second P, which is pastor and what does the pastor have to do with women's ministry? Well, I think the pastor has a lot to do with women's ministry because, for one, we need the approval of spiritual authority in our church. And, um, you know, I think that he certainly knows the needs of the women, although sometimes he's, you know, the pastor may be either the first person or the last person we go to when we're struggling. So, um but I, I think when we want to try to to minister to those needs and challenges that our women are facing, he's certainly a good one to know that, and we need to get his approval to be able to go forward. Mm, absolutely. I have a free resource over at Marnie.com. It's under the free stuff, and it's called the Women's Ministry Guide, How to Start a Women's Ministry from Scratch. And even if your women's ministry is already going, I encourage you to get that little handbook. It's only, I think, 40 pages. But okay. in there, teaches uh, leaders how to communicate to a mostly male leadership team. So your church board maybe has some women on it, maybe none. But you are a woman leading women's ministry or wanting to start one, and you have to learn how to communicate to them in words that they can understand. So what we tend to do as girls is we'll, you know, God will put a ministry idea in our hearts and we'll take it to the pastor, to the pastoral board, and we'll say, you know, God prompted me to do this ministry, and they just look at you with glazed-over eyes. <laughs> Isn't it true? <laughs> like, please speak my language. <laughs> so 
<laughs> so yeah. what I teach you how to do in that little guide is to really be able to present your concept or idea in a way that they can hear it and in a way that they can actually say yes. If it's God's will for them to say yes, you want to present it in a way that allows them to say yes instead of just making them feel uncomfortable. Because girls, we right. talk in feelings, and they don't talk in feelings. They don't, they don't mm-hmm. think in feelings. Guys think in logic and in concrete. So we have to switch it around. So that's really key. And why would we bother is because the church, the pastor is setting the direction for the whole church. The pastor and the board, it's their responsibility before God to set the direction for the church. Your women's ministry absolutely must come under the greater right. vision of the church or it's just not going to work. You'll just be yeah. always hitting rope. I, I mean, Bernard, don't you think that if it's not in line with the pastoral or the church direction, that then it just makes everything just torture and so much harder? Well, it does. And as you say, you just need to be able to communicate your your heart that way to meet um, the listening ear there because um, I think that um, it's always good to not have a detailed plan, but certainly some little, just a little outline of um of a vision so that you can just speak fluently and and pointedly so that um we are understood when we meet with the leadership of our church right right well this is marnie swedberg we're visiting today with verna bauman her website is vernabauman.com hope you check that out and hope you stay tuned we're going to come right back and talk about the next two p's of how to build or restore a women's ministry using nehemiah's blueprint we'll be right back Christian Women's Events. At womensevents.info, you can find events to attend. Learn how to plan amazing events for your group or publicize your own upcoming Christian Women's Events. It's all available to you at womensevents.info. Just click your state to find all the major women's events coming to your area or type in the month and year you'd like to attend an event to see all your options nationwide. It's that easy. If you want to promote an event, just click Add Event. Event publicity is available on a per-event basis or free to members. Finally, if you want to learn how to host awesome events, retreats, and well-attended conferences, click Event Planner Training. Once again, it's available a la carte or included in the membership. It's all online and here for you 24-7 anytime you have time at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Money troubles got you down? Visit www.godlywealth.com to discover the fastest way to financial peace. You'll gain perspective, biblical training, and clear direction to help you move from terrified to triumphant. It's all free and available to you online at www.godlywealth.com. Not only will you learn a balanced, godly perspective about money, but you'll also enjoy scripture set to music, a wealth roster worksheet, and much more, all free and online at www.godlywealth.com. That's www.godlywealth.com. Hey, welcome back. This is Marnie, and we're visiting today with Verna Bauman on the topic of women's ministry leadership, how to build or restore a women's ministry. Verna, let's talk about how to prepare to build or restore a women's ministry. Okay, well, um, I think after we meet with our pastor, as we just um, talked about, 
it's important then to uh, when when we began our women's ministry at, at our church, it was only myself and one other woman who invested in women. Um, she had a heart for women, and so we went forward. Uh, we prayed for another so that we could make uh, better decisions, a more rounded team of just three of us. And often I'll speak with people who think maybe they need more than that to begin with. So in preparation, I think it's important to just um, go forward with that vision and then wait to take the next step. And um, the next step for us was meeting with other leaders of the ministries in our church. Uh, there was a golden circle, um, uh, prayer prayer leaders, there was even even those that were heading up the rummage sale. We wanted to include everybody of various ages and their giftedness to get their input, and uh, that was our first step in preparing. So when you were preparing, were you doing kind of like an informal survey then? In a way, yeah. We had a, a, a very large meeting at first, and then we were able to choose and glean what uh, I, I think that you don't volunteer for women's ministry. You're you're called to women's ministry. So it was something that as we met with each other, we were able to um, pair up those uh, who had a heart to invest in women with their giftedness and to work in the sphere of that gift. Hmm. So one of the things that um, I always encourage people to do is to with like and you just started with two of you, which is a pretty small team to start, although I I mean you can even start with just one obviously. But as you are growing, um, to have have some kind of a hierarchy and then have volunteers or, or uh, people that come underneath those leaders and then so if you if we look at if we look at the biblical principle, you know, you have Jesus and you have like the three main you know, disciples and then you have the other yeah. disciples and then you have a seventy disciples under that, you know. I mean, so there's there's this hierarchy that we see where people that are nearer the top of that list, there's fewer of them, and they have more overall responsibilities. While the people that are down farther on the list, there's more of them, and they have more tactical, you know, uh, functional uh, right. project type responsibilities. And it really does. It's amazing to me how women's ministries grow when we allow the most people to be involved. You know, yes. it, it, there there can't be 500 leaders, <laughs> but at the same time, there can be jobs for 500 or however many you have. I mean, there really can, and and it's it's the heart of the leader to um to actually allow the women to participate and use their gifts, isn't it? It is, yeah. And we and as a leader, we have to be a good delegator. You know, I mean, that's that's the important piece Critical. to um to just uh, include uh, those women that have a heart to minister to other women. And I think just to keep your ear to the ground, too, because a lot of leaders tend to be very um, domineering and have to be involved in every little detail where the participants may have an idea, and it's their idea, and as long as it is not opposing, and we're going to talk about this in just a minute here, but as long as it's not opposing the direction of the mission of the church or the women's ministry, let them go with it. Um, let them go ahead and branch off and do another ministry. I think one of the things that has grown me up the most in ministry is that my home church is like that. When anybody has an idea for ministry, 
the church just says, you know, unless it's something really wrong with it, the church just says, what can we do to help you? Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yes. You know? And we come around each other and, okay, so you try a ministry and it fails. That's okay. We just found out one thing that doesn't work. You know, it's okay. Yes. It's just really fine. But as a leader, sometimes we don't want any failures. We don't want people to do things we're not 100% sure about, and so we hold them back. And I think that's a that's kind of a tragedy. Um, it, we're just all learning together. Well, I agree. And, and I also think that it's important, as you say this, Marnie, it reminds me of um, – women that we come in contact with that that we know um they they will carry out um with the good part of the ministry and uh, those Marys and Marthas and different different abilities and and gifts and i see uh certain ones who just feel like they don't qualify and what does that mm-hmm. mean you know if god calls us he equips us and and it may be because they are uh, struggling with something from their past or 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 presently uh going through a difficult situation with um a relationship or maybe a prodigal teen or or whatever but um God uses all that and and I think it's an important thing for us to be transparent uh that we all experience life, and so that should never um, prevent us from coming forward and being a part of uh ministering to other women. Mm, absolutely, and there's so many seasons in life, um, seasons to do certain types of ministry, seasons not to. We recently had a ministry share at our church and all the different ministries, and I, I don't remember if it was 48 or how many ministries <laughs> there were, but when we left, my husband said, you know what's missing, and he named the major employer in our community that employs probably half of the people who attend our church. And he yeah. said, he said we should have had a booth for them because all those people go to work every single day and take Jesus with them, and that's their ministry. You know, and I just, I love that concept where, you know, sometimes a person has got a ministry, and it's not with the women's ministry. It's still a ministry, and we have to really be aware of the fact that God's moving all of our gals around. They're his gals, and that he's moving them around, and they're all doing such uh, cool things that maybe don't have a ministry title to them. You know, That's I, right. I think it's really it's easy for us to say, well, I wonder why she doesn't get involved. Well, there may be a very good reason why she doesn't get involved, you know, and it could be a godly reason. Yes. Yes, and and I think too that's one of the questions we need to ask ourselves too is you know are do we gravitate to the comfortable or do we um try to see into those hard places to reach and um and as you say it can be something that that they're going off in a different way but it's still a ministry it's still a ministry to women and we need to um see that as valuable yeah. So let's talk about purpose a little bit. The fourth P is purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we keep in mind, I think, you know, I, I don't know if it's been a struggle for you, Marnie, or if you talk to ladies, but it seems like it sometimes is tough to be concise with, with. I mean, why do you do what you do? You know, it's an easy thing mm-hmm. to to answer. When we keep in mind that women's ministry is just simply women encouraging women, Um helping to meet each other's needs and 
inspiring one another to grow together in Jesus, we we should be able to establish a heart statement as to what God has called us to do. So um, it's very important to have a mission statement. I have one even with my writing just to encourage women to seek God and find wholeness through his word. So I think unless we have that as a... Um, as the hub to go forward, we're we're just going to go in different directions instead of the one focus that we need to. Right. There's a training over in the mentorship program at Marty.com on how to design um, vision and mission statements for both women's ministry as well as for speakers. And mm-hmm. it is so important that you have one. It it just it's interesting. So my personal one is that I exist to encourage women provide them with practical help, and turn their thoughts toward Jesus. That's my mission Mm. statement. And what is easy now is it's easy for me to rule out certain things as not for me. I'm not to do that because it doesn't even line up. It's a good thing to do maybe, but it doesn't line up with my mission. And so that makes it very easy for me to sort through all of the opportunities that come my way and to limit, to narrow it down to the things that God created me to do. Now, of course, are there exceptions? You know, God always is, God loves the sex exceptions, so that's great. But it just makes it easy for you to say when you, you bring it in and you just put it in the sieve and you say, does this one shake out? Or, you know, is does it remain? Or is it something that falls away and it's just extra things mm-hmm. to do that doesn't match our mission, our vision, why God created this women's group? That's right. Right, and I think there's a clear difference between, uh, I, I like your mission statement, it's it's very clear to what you need to just come under to go forward. And I think, uh, for me, you know, personally, I, it sounds like an odd example, but, you know, just the clear difference between vision, mission, and purpose is, you know, I think of um, a nephrologist, you know, a, a kidney specialist, and uh, and I use that example, I guess, because... You know, I have a son who's received four kidney transplants, and my husband is currently on dialysis. So I think of this nephrologist, um, of his purpose is to heal, Uh, but his mission is to eliminate the need for organ donation for those, you know, in failure because they don't receive a transplant on time. But his vision is a world where people no longer need dialysis or transplants. So the vision actually inspires the doctor on the path of the challenges to fulfill that mission. And that's what we need to do is to be able to to keep that focus so that we can go forward with that passion. Love that. And then, of course, there's goals as well, which are um, clearly defined targets that you're going for and you're hoping to achieve by a certain date. And goals are so helpful, too, in the short term because they clarify what to do next. <laughs> so the yes. mission and the vision are bigger. But now the goal is, now what are we going to do this month? What are we going to do today? What are we going to do right. this year? And it really helps to bring it into the more practical realm so that you can actually take action on it. So cool. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg we're visiting today with Verna Bauman. Her website is vernabauman.com. And we're going to come right back and talk about the last two pieces. And then the final segment of the hour, we're going to talk about the Nehemiah blueprint. So don't go away. We will be right back. 
WomenSpeakers.com is the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,700 women speakers from every experience level, denomination, and fee range, some near you. Visit WomenSpeakers.com to find the perfect speaker for your next event or to get training to be a speaker, author, or media personality. All training and connections occur online anytime you have time. Find a speaker, add a speaker, or become a speaker at www.womenspeakers.com. Are you enjoying every single bite eating with God? If not, visit www.eatingwithgod.com. That's eatingwithgod.com. Discover the easiest, most enjoyable way to move from where you are with food today to where God wants you to be in His perfect time and way. There are free daily bite recordings available to you at www.eatingwithgod.com or you can purchase the entire set of Daily Bites, 31 individual daily MP3 words of encouragement, plus the book, Gasping for Grace, 31 daily devotionals for discouraged dieters. To start moving toward your God-given ideal weight, visit www.eatingwithgod.com. That's www.eatingwithgod.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie, and we're talking today with Verna Bauman about the topic of women's ministry leadership how to build or restore a women's ministry using Nehemiah's blueprint. During this section, we're going to talk about the fourth and, or I'm sorry, the fifth and sixth P's. We've already talked about praying, the pastor, preparing, and purpose. So, Verna, let's go ahead and talk about presenting your ideas to the church leadership. Yeah, after we have our our team and our um, basic plans in place, then we can present that to the church leadership for approval and budget. And um, that may not be something that the church is able to provide at that particular time, but that shouldn't um, discourage us because there's you know, we could do fundraisers. There are certain ways to get around that to to get our ministry um, off the ground a little bit. So that's what we want to do is just uh, go to the church leadership, present those ideas, and see if they can um, undergird that with a little bit of a budget for us. Hmm. You know, when you were saying that too, there's ways to get around that, I was thinking about water. And if, you know, if water is at the top of the hill, and there's gravity that's pulling it down, it's going to go down the hill. The water in the creek is going to go down the hill. And the water is going to keep going down the hill, even if there's a rock or if there's a, a, a dead tree laying across it or whatever, the water is going to go around it or over it or under it. or It's going to find a way. It is going to go down that hill. And when God puts a purpose in your heart, then your responsibility is to go forward with non-resistant persistence until you see the outcome that God is calling you to. In my years working with women's ministry leaders around the world, what's been fun and really kind of not fun for them to live through, but fun to watch, is how so many times God has a little bit of a tweak that's going to happen before the women's ministry actually launches. So mm-hmm. I've, watched, I've watched gals you know, go to their church board and have them even say, no, uh, we don't feel like this is the right time. And those gals, because they know that God put it in their heart to start it, then they start seeking around. And some of those ministries are parachurch ministries now outside from under a church that they are serving the entire community or the entire state or even the entire country or world. So what's cool is that when you know that you have a passion in your heart from God to start a women's ministry, then all you need to do is you need to just trust God and not be offended, not get all upset, 
Uh, so the funding isn't there. You know, okay, well that's a painful that's a painful response too. But at the same time, God God owns everything. He's not short of cash. So if the if you need money to actually do it, there you know money can come in different ways. So I I love that that you know we present and then we present with an open hand and let God direct us. That's right. That's right. And Marnie, there, I can give a, a good example of um, one of the fundraisers that that we had that really blessed the ladies of our church and community. Um, one of the ladies that was on our team, there were five of us at the time, and she uh, went to Israel and wanted to share those slides with the women of our church. So uh, she loved the food, and, and she brought home some very uh, nice ideas of a menu, and we offered this Mediterranean dinner to the ladies. There were over 100, I think there were about 110 or 111 women who came out in January in a snowstorm for this Mediterranean dinner and to view these slides from Israel. And they just they just loved it. It was such an amazing connector. And um, they loved it so much, they wanted the recipes, so we put them together in a little tiny spiral cookbook and asked for donations, and that was a great uh, jump start to <laughs> to our ministry. <laughs> That's great. Well, let's go ahead and brainstorm for a little bit about fundraisers because I know a lot of the gals listening. They just they have had a money crunch, but they haven't had any ideas about what to do about it. They've just been waiting or wondering what to do about it. So let's talk about some other ideas that we've seen. So one one that is another fun one is to just have a group garage sale where everybody brings all of their stuff and they just have a huge garage sale. What's fun about that one is that you get to hang out all day <laughs> with each other. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of relationship that happens there. Plus, you get to, you know, get rid of a lot of junk, clean out your houses. Plus, you get to encourage other people by letting them have that stuff for very inexpensive. And so that's yeah. a great one. And I know there's um, churches that they do a fundraiser. They do a garage sale fundraiser every year to raise funds for their women's retreat, to give scholarships to gals who couldn't otherwise afford to go to their women's retreat. That's right. And so, yeah. you know, and you can you can have a specific idea in mind for your fundraiser funds, or you can just go at it in a general way and say this is for the women's ministry. So what's another idea that's bubbling to your head? Um, well, I think um, a, a soup night, soup and dessert, I mean, that's, you know, that's always been a good fundraiser and baking pies around holiday time. Um, there's many things you can do that really involves um, the ages and stages of women to make them all feel like they're uh, working together in, in this. So I think um, just coming together like that and, and um Presenting that to the congregation, to the body of Christ, just shows so much, too. Absolutely. One of the fun ones that we've done for several years at our church, and this one is to raise the funds for the missionaries that the women's ministry supports. And so Mm -hmm. what we do is we host a family walk night, and we meet at a local park, and then there's a walking path, walk-bike path around, and the families okay. are just able to go. They can go with their buddy families or they can go with just their family. They take a walk, and when they get back, then there's a, a lunch that's served that they can either make a donation for or they can just have for free. And then there's just everybody knows that this is a fundraiser for missions, and people just give. And usually it's thousands of dollars. I mean, as people just give. They, they know it's for missions. We make it fun by having it be an event for the family and then, 
you know, the money goes to missions. So there's all kinds of things that you can do um, over at Marnie.com too. Under the event thing, there's event theme sets. Under there, one of the theme sets is a jewelry auction, um, a jewelry silent auction where everybody just brings their used jewelry that they don't want anymore, jewelry, purses, whatever. Mm. And then you set that up, and then you just have envelopes in front of each item, and people just write their number and their bid on the envelope. And then at the end, um, it's the the envelope is given to the person who had the highest number. They put the money in it, and that's just so simple. And you can oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, it's just like a regular meeting. You don't even have to have a special event to do that one. So I think there's all kinds of great ideas that you can do to raise funds. Definitely, I think that the funds is the easier side of things. If you get a no answer from your leadership team, that can feel pretty devastating in the moment. But I just encourage you that, you know, it's possible that your pastor or your leadership team has never thought about a women's ministry or even worse. They know of a bad one. (laughs) You just need to, you know, use that prayer, use non-resistant persistence, and don't drive them crazy, but just keep on praying about it and looking for opportunities to identify ways to ask for one permission to do one thing with the women. Okay, don't start with a whole full-blown women's ministry. Just do one thing. Ask permission to do one thing. And let the pastoral board see that this is really needed. Women need each other. We need time to be together, to bear one another's burdens, to bear our souls to each other before God and to really encourage one another. So, yeah, don't give up. Just if they say no, don't give up. Uh, Just keep on looking for what God has for you next. So let's go ahead to the sixth P then, which is promote. Yeah, well, sure. When we, um, you know, when we've gone through all these basic steps, you know, it brings us to the point that we really want to get the word out of um, what we're doing by advertising or, and not or, but and personally inviting the women. I think many women may not feel like they fit in, and they need to be personally invited. Uh, oftentimes, we would put. Um, uh, just a personal little invitation, a little postcard in each mailbox at church, plus, you know, um, in the church bulletin, in the church newsletter. Uh, but I think that it's important for um, women's ministry to have a little brochure made up with their statement and their events and and just to be able to promote that news, uh, maybe even a little uh, personal bulletin board. Uh, you can decorate that just for the women to attract the ladies to to see what's going on. So I think we need to really let them know uh, what's happening. And and I also think it might be a good idea to have just an evening where everyone is invited and you share your vision and the plans ahead, and that might stir some good interest. Mm, that's great. Um, I was thinking about uh, one of the things that we discovered along the way was that our attendance at events was much better, and more importantly than just attendance, we're actually talking about the hearts of additional women. And mm-hmm. so we found that women who had never been to events were much more likely to come to something if they were personally invited. So what exactly. we do is we actually take we get from the church secretary, we get the list of all the gals that, you know, all the people that have been coming. We get the most mm-hmm. recent list that the pastors have. And then we take that list and we go through it as a group. And, and people, we pass pages around and people write their name next to, 
different people in there, and then um, the ones that are nobody wrote their name down, like nobody knows who they are, they're coming, but nobody knows them yet. Well, then we divide yeah. those out. Each of us take one or two of those. And when we had, when we put all of the invitations into the mailboxes, like what you said, then into the group that was at the meeting where we decide, where we divided this all up, then we put in, you know, 10 or however many they said they would take, we put that many extras in their box. And so then they also give the personal, a personal invite by handing them personal. Okay. And, you know, we, we had ladies go as far as, you know, making making cookies or, I mean, you know, getting really creative, a bottle of water, you know, come get some spiritual refreshment with some girls. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you can just be so creative about this, but the personal invitation is so much more meaningful. It's scary. If you've never been to a ladies' event, it's scary to go by yourself. It really is. Well, it is, and everyone is on a different level. You know, I mean, there may be a woman who is there that has never picked up a Bible, and and then there's someone who's very seasoned, and um, right. or there's uh, again, there can always be that person who feels like they should be left out, maybe because uh, they're they're divorced, or there there's a there's a number of reasons why women sort of tend to to get caught in the the cracks of clicks, you know, they, they don't feel like they fit, and they're the ones that, uh, I, I love your idea of, of that, because it just makes everyone feel of value. It does. Another idea I really like is putting the posters of the upcoming events in the on the back of the bathroom stalls on the inside. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. Right there. <laughs> so it's a That's right, they always look. <laughs> there too. And the other thing is to start really early. That's one of the things that I always talk to event planners about. The earlier you start promoting something, the better attended it will be, and that's just plain and simple. If you know you're having a women's event next June, and this is July, start promoting it now. Know who your speaker is, start promoting it now. Just plan ahead and get people excited. And even like, okay, so let's say you're listening, and well, your women's retreat is in three months. Okay, that's okay. Start right now. Don't wait until six weeks before that's okay, you know, for a wedding. But even with the wedding now, we get to save the date way early, don't we? You know, people's yes, lives are super busy. Yeah. And when it comes to a women's event, like a retreat or a conference, they have to save up money. Um, they need time. They can't just find out about it a few weeks ahead and, and expect them to go. They have to have time. And the other thing I really liked, um, in a major event in the city next to mine a few years ago with Liz Curtis Higgs, and by the way, she's going to be our kickoff speaker at um, Bible Study Expo now. Um, that's BibleStudyExpo.com, oh. so you guys need to check that out. She's, she's our kickoff speaker there in August. Okay. But um, she came to the city next to mine, and what they did was they got all the churches around to do one of her Bible studies before she came. Now, that's right. Imagine, yes, we've done that as well. Yeah. The buy, yeah, the buy-in was huge. I mean, everybody was already in love with her. Um, they knew her because they doing, you know, read her book, did the study, and they were so excited to hear her in person and meet her. And you know, these kind of things really change. It goes from being, you know, uh, a commercial to being something really personal for women. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, this is Marnie Swepper visiting today with Verna Bauman. We're going to come right back now and talk about using Nehemiah's blueprint for building or restoring your women's ministry. So we'll be right back. Don't go away. What's your next step? 
Are you tired of scouring the internet to find the training you need to take you from where you are today to where you want to be? Stop searching and start moving towards your goals with over 150 targeted training modules available to you at Marnie.com. You can learn how to speak, how to write, how to get published, how to get media coverage, and so much more. All available at Marnie.com. That's M-A-R-N-I-E.com. Do you lead a women's Bible study or know someone who does? Check out BibleStudyExpo.com. That's www.BibleStudyExpo.com. Here you'll meet the authors of the most recently released Bible study books for women. You'll meet Liz Curtis Higgs, Lisa Bevere, Pam Farrell, Elisa Morgan, and dozens of other Bible study book authors. Each author is given 15 minutes to share the story behind her book, her ideal audience, and a little bit about the study's format so you can decide which Bible studies you want to introduce next. It's all available to you free and online at www.biblestudyexpo.com. That's www.biblestudyexpo.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie, and I'm so excited about the Bible Study Expo. If you go over to Bible Study Expo right now, um, it's BibleStudyExpo.com. Everything's online, and you're going to find dozens of interviews with authors from previous year's expos. And then this year we have 12 great guests, and we're going to have so much fun exploring the latest Bible study books for women. So be sure to check that out. And thanks for being here today. Our guest today is Verna Bowman. Her website is vernabowman.com. She's an author, a speaker, and a women's ministry leader um, who's been involved in various roles for the past 20 years. So, Verna, thank you so much for being here. And let's go ahead and talk now about the Nehemiah Blueprint. First of all, I didn't know Nehemiah had a blueprint, so let's go ahead and talk about how you discovered this. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, well, I, I, I found that we could even use the book of Nehemiah as a mini Bible study on leadership. It's, um, I wish we had time to do that, but I, I, I just want to stress how Nehemiah's prayer life was mixed with action. I mean, it, it was just, we talk about all the important components of um, what we need to do to get our ministry off the ground, and certainly it's plenty of work to to maintain that. You know, we need creativity today because, as you said, women are, are so busy. I mean, there's so many opportunities to keep the interest going, but um, those necessary components are all there in that book, and it's it always helps me to have like a little acronym like uh, P-R-A-Y, and, and I, I wrote down in the margin of my Bible uh, years ago when we were um, doing a little uh, Bible study in Nehemiah how it's Pray, praise, repent, ask, and yield. You know, pray, you know, with two Ps, obviously. But pray, praise, repent, ask, and yield. And that's what Nehemiah did in in the book as he, um, you know, restored the walls in just 52 days. I mean, that's just a little over seven weeks. And how did he do it? By beginning and continuing and ending in prayer. It's all throughout the book. Um, so it's a special piece to to read and to see the the depth that's there. So is the blueprint then the P P R A Y? Um, that's just that's just a personal side note for me that ha- that helps me to see that. It just that's what the book is made up of. You know, I I see in the midst of challenging conditions, Nehemiah was just one leader with a single vision and one great God. And, and this, this one leader is a picture of, um, 
of character and, and and faith that that every woman of God has to to have in order to make an effective impact with their ministry. So, I think the blueprint is actually right there in um, the the different verses. The one special verse to me is that uh, in chapter two, verse twenty, I think it is. There's my Bible. Um, the God of heaven will grant us success if we, his servants, will arise and build. And um, Mm -hmm. just another verse is, and they put their their hands together for the good work, and it just is a good reminder of that unity and how we can build it up and build each other up when we come together. And uh, it's just, if if you take all those verses and pieces out of that, and and his powerful prayer life uh, is in the first chapter from verses 4 through 11, and um, it's again, it's just if you if you just pray that prayer, it's it's all there. Hmm. That's so cool. so well, as I as I looked at all these you know steps you know that helps me to to put things in perspective with beginning with P. As I look at all those steps, I see how Nehemiah actually followed those steps. As I as I read the book of Nehemiah, he prayed. And he presented his plan to authorities, and he surveyed what the needs were, you know, the demographics. I mean, he surveyed what those needs and challenges were to be, and he collected the supplies and the volunteers, and he he just kept them motivated. So it's just a wonderful example to uh, not only how to build a wall, but to to build a ministry that can stand up against opposition, because there's going to be. Yeah, when I think of Nehemiah, I think about how many struggles there were along the way. There were just so many um, challenges. I mean, they yeah. had to, like, their, you know, swords in their hands because of the enemy. That's right. I mean, it was really tough. It wasn't just, like, smooth sailing. And I think that's one of the things that really blindsides a lot of leaders. If you're a new leader, you might have come into the leadership role thinking, since God has called me to this, I will have no trouble. This should all be smooth sailing. This should just be easy and everything should just be, you know, um, and I'm going to just use it as kind of a cliche, blessed by God, because we think God's blessing only comes if it feels good, you know, or if it looks good. But the reality is that God brings good out of everything and some things look really bad and feel really bad and God's working good through them. So when we think of Nehemiah, he was just, super example of somebody who just said, I am going to do what God called me to do. I don't care how hard it is. I'm just going to do it. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, uh, you know, I think of um, just as you say that, the things that we will be challenged by in ministry, well, you know, Oftentimes, in any community of women, you'll find uh, situations of comparison or or competition, and so we need to be on guard of those things. And we know that uh, uh, in order to keep unity among our team and uh, among those women entrusted to us in ministry, um, that we just need to have, as as we've talked about, that strong foundation built up in prayer so that we can stand against that opposition. And Nehemiah is an excellent example of just uh, how he 
ordered his steps and um, went through it, just went through it. And I just encourage uh, leaders to read through and see the steps that Nehemiah took in rebuilding and and restoring. You know, I think a a current um, uh, example to rebuild or revitalize uh, maybe uh, a ministry that's losing its passion is is with Pinterest. There's so many ideas on Pinterest to just, it's overwhelming, really. I think of this ancient example of Nehemiah of how to restore, but then I also think how we have so many current opportunities to to bring life back into a, a ministry that's losing a little bit of passion. Yeah, and I think that this brings us full circle then around to talking maybe for the last few minutes here about the need to be relevant because women are so busy right now. They are busier than they've ever been. The other thing is that the younger generation has no sense of obligation when it comes to a women's ministry. You know, our moms and even us, Verna, we really felt like we needed to go be part of what's happening at the church in the women's ministry, and we felt like that was a a call on us, uh, uh, something that we did, obviously. But mm-hmm. our younger women, they don't. They do not see it that way. If they're going to get involved, it's going to be because it is very important to their lives that they're there. They have to see how it is going to change their life or how their life can change someone else's. And if we don't give them that in the women's ministry, they won't be able to come. Have you seen this shift? I have, and I and just what you're saying is just so vital. Uh, we really do need to uh, be sensitive to the younger women. I think that, you know, there's things that they want to see that are a little more organic and less structured and how it will, because their moments are so crucial and minimized today, I mean, they're so busy that they really want it to, to um, matter, and so that's that's why we really have to look to those things because it's um, it it isn't the same. It isn't. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think we just have to wear traditional hat or glasses, maybe, and look through a different lens, look through their eyes, and see. One of the that's things right. that it's been really fun for me to watch is that as these gals are given permission, are given responsibility they come up with the most creative ideas. And it's like, they wow, who, don't they? And you just go, they wow, do. who ever thought of that? You know. And so just for you, if you're kind of an older women's ministry leader who's been involved in it for 20, 30, 40 years, whatever, you just need to open your hand now and give, give some of the younger gals the opportunity to step up to the plate and you watch them, they're gonna make they're gonna make singles and doubles and home runs. <laughs> You're just gonna see They are. They have go. so much to offer. Yeah. I learn so much from they the do. younger women. Right. Uh, uh it's just it's exciting. And they are gonna do it differently. And I think that's where that's where sometimes you feel a little hesitant, like we've never done that before. I don't think that can work. I mean I remember having that exact thought. We had had this successful um, ministry uh, thing going on for years and years and years in our women's ministry. And a younger uh, gal suggested something different, and we said, okay. But I remember going home from that meeting thinking, oh, God, please don't let this fail. Please don't <laughs> let this fail. Because I really thought it was good. I really did. Uh-huh. It was fantastic. It was so great. And I thought, oh, me, a little face, you know. So it is hard. it's hard for us to release our preconceived ideas 
and let God do a new thing. But there's a verse that says that, look, I'm doing a new thing. Just embrace it. And and that's what we really want to do. Verna, this has been so great. Now, if somebody goes over to your website at com, what are they going to find over there? Um, well, I, I try to post every two weeks, um, just it's encouraging women one story at a time. So I try to put a little encouraging piece on there and, and, um, just stir the hearts of women to love the Lord and, uh, to work together doing that. So, um, I have a, a recent book, so that's on there and, um, I, I hope it's something worthwhile to go visit. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You guys got to go check it out. And Verna also is a speaker, and she's available to your women's ministry. She's got some great topics going on there, and she's also with us over at womenspeakers.com. So you're going to want to check that out. Verna, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Marnie. I so appreciate what you do for women's ministry. So I love this show, and I thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, well, thanks for joining us. And you guys, thank you for joining us. We can't have a program without listeners. So thank you for those of you who are here when we're recording live at Blog Talk Radio and you always show up in mass and get us on the front page of that uh, forum with the hun- you know, hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of listeners over here. And uh, we're so grateful for those of you who come live at Blog Talk Radio as well as for those of you who listen all around the Internet afterwards, plus those of you who download it from iTunes or the mentorship zone at marty.com. All of you are valuable and important to us and so grateful to you. I hope you have a wonderful day and we'll see you again next time. Bye-bye.